So, Rachel. Yeah? The Enterprise crew begins to shrink after radiation exposure. Oh, we're really playing with size this season. Yeah. I reckon the best friends gang will shrink small after being on a planet. I've got images of little Kirk in a big chair. I'm guessing the uniforms will illogically shrink too. I see McCoy lifting a huge salt shaker trying to find a cure and Spock being coddled by one of the women because he's cute because he's small. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Any good? Uh, That sounds great to me. I hope we see all of those things. (laughs) Rachel watches Star Trek. Captain's log, star date 5577.3. We are approaching the remains of the burnt-out supernova Arachna. Requested update survey will begin with measurements of its radiation and volume expansion. Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. I am Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And this is your show. Yeah, if you're just, well, it's both of our shows, but if you're just joining us now for the first time, welcome You probably know already that I've been forced into watching Star Trek. Mm. Not really, kind Mm. of volunteered. (laughs) From the very beginning, so we've got through the original series, we're now midway through the animated series. Mm. It's been quite a wild ride, ups and downs. Yeah. Finding it a little bit of a dirge to get through this series as was predicted by many people. That's what lots of folks said about it. And uh, this week, to kind of expedite that process, we are going to cover another two episodes the Terratin Incident, and also the Time Trap. You heard it right. We got a double bill, sir. Yes, sir, we got a double bill. Two for the price of one. The death gonna be desirable, but it won't take us long. Yeah, let's get the series done. The patrons called for a double bill. Walking through the two. When an episode feels like a sleeping pill with not enough Kirk Fu, well, we'll know what to do. <laughs> Yeehaw! So this episode, The Terratin Incident, it was written by Paul Schneider, who wrote Balance of Terror and The Squire of Gothos. Oh. This one came from an idea by Gene, inspired by Gulliver's Travel. Well, of course, yeah, yeah I guess so. It makes sense. The mission today is to map the gas cloud Arachna, which is full of spiders, presumably. <laughs> is that... <laughs> Yeah, space spiders. Trying to inform Starfleet there's interference and all they can hear back is a signal from the star Cepheus, an intersat code that's not been used in centuries. Mm -hmm. It's the word Terratin. Mm. Kirk orders they abandon the gas spiders and head for Cepheus, a Class M planet. Number four seems to be Class M. With found enough like planet. I'm aching for answers, I'm peeing my pants. Let's go and learn everything about it. Wow. Yes, let's see if we can fit all of my songs in this <laughs> one episode. <laughs> so Cepheus is a crystalline structure, but it looks very similar to Earth. Yeah. Except for that it, it has huge flying bouts of magma. Ooh. It's very volcanic. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it's unstable. Oh yeah. Wouldn't go there, would you? No. Spock registers an impulse passing through the ship. The gossamer mice and halo fish are fine. The what? (laughs) 
<laughs> I've never had this before. No, those are new. Yeah, we've never seen gossamer mice, which are translucent mice, yeah. and then halo fish, which are fish that glow. I love it. Yeah, it's great. The halo fish would lose all color at the slightest environmental change, which hasn't happened. Yeah, there you go. So they've got these experiments kind of like a canary in a coal mine or maybe they're just pets they have on board and they mm. know these things about them Would i don't have been know very useful many times to have called on the halo fish perspective yeah that's something that actually they do in the future series called enterprise which is actually set about 100 years before the original series mm-hmm. the doctor on board has lots of animals and he uses the animals for their abilities to help the crew for these types of things, actually, yeah. you know, cures. I think it was just to kind of make it so they're not so reliant on technology. Mm, yeah. And they have kind of this backup plan. So if all the technology goes out of whack, they've got these animals that can do different things. And then they can bring in different ethical yeah. questions, dilemmas yeah, about it. Yeah. A bright light shoots from the planet into the Enterprise and it hurts Eric's eyes. And then Scotty says that it's messing with the dilithium crystals. And we get this. Security, anyone, please. Mess Officer Briel requesting help in the main dining room. Tables, chairs, silverware, everything seems to have enlarged. Women losing rings happens. Uh, some are near panic. Oh dear. At first, they think everything on the ship is expanding. Yes, but they are shrinking. Ay, ay, ay. McCoy explains that the space between the molecules of their body is diminishing. So they retain their original weight. Whoa. That's not played out in the episode at all. Well, actually, it would become more dense. So they would be smaller, but still weigh. Yeah. So when know. they're pulling on buttons, it would only take one person's weight to do it. They wouldn't have the same strength, but just leaning back oh, with yeah. a string around a button would only take one person, right? Well, sure. I mean, Also, they'd just fall through the floor because all that weight on one small point. Well, I think the floors would probably be strong enough okay. to take, take that much weight. But <laughs> yeah. still... You know, maybe certain tables or chairs, or if somebody happens to fall in water, they would just sink like a rock. Oh, yeah, you know where I'm going here. that wouldn't happen, would it? All uh, we've got is a fish tank. Well, how would they end up in there? Yeah. We'll so see. Sp- <laughs> Spock notes that all organic matter on the ship is shrinking. Mm, so that apparently makes up for the uniform shrinking because they're made of algae. Yeah. So at least they've given a reason. Yeah. I respect that. There you go. Yeah. And they're making organic materials out of something useless. So <laughs> great. Guess, sure. <laughs> Probably going to get a lot of letters saying algae is not useless now. Well, no, it's not. It's that. really <laughs> integral to our entire <laughs> yeah. biosphere. But yeah. Chapel falls as usual. Yeah. This time into a fish tank. Yep. How did that happen? Kirk saves her with a needle and thread. He almost harpoons her in the process. I know. Though. It looks like he's going to kill her. But also she's swimming in the water. Oh. If she was that size yet had her weight. Yeah. She would totally just sink to the bottom. How would they be able to process air molecules if their molecules are smaller than an air molecule is? Ha. Are there molecules smaller or just the space between molecules, well, right. I think they said. Because within an atom, it's mostly space. Could be wrong about this, but this is something I read. If you think of the distance of the sun to like Jupiter. They said it's like this between stars. Y- yeah. In here, didn't they? Yeah, they think that's a bit of an exaggeration. It's more but... like the sun to Jupiter. Yeah. Within, within an, atom. an atom. And then each atom is connected to each other, probably the distance between stars. I don't know. Oh, my. Basically, an atom is mostly nothing. Mm-hmm. And so they're just saying, well, that space is getting compressed. But if that space gets compressed, then it would change a lot of other things. Anyway, if you think about any science fiction, you can break it down and it won't make sense. So I I should quit being so harsh about this. Is this as bad as that time where they were all speeded up? (laughs) <laughs> and then we realized all the problems with that. <laughs> no. No, it's not. No, maybe. I don't know. It's Let like... us know. This could be a good comment show. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'm glad to know hand sewing hasn't died on the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> 
Spot calculates in minutes the entire crew will be one sixteenth of an inch high and, un and unable to operate the ship's controls. By using man-made ladders, the crew manages to get to their consoles and use their collective strength to press the transporter buttons. Oh, they're so scrappy, aren't they? Oh, yeah. They think of this straight away. It's pretty cute they're up on the consoles as well, all tiny. they got little strings that they're using to pull on things. Yeah. yeah. Good job they've got some wood and rope hanging around. Yeah. I guess they don't use ladders on the Enterprise because they're not really making the most of their storage solutions there, are they? No. They could be a lot of cupboards up high. Don't need a, that big of a ship. Well, I, I, most of the ceilings are very high, so they don't really need... Where are we then when we're looking down on the bridge? We're in TV land. <laughs> we're not up at the ceiling? No. no oh, no, wow, you're blowing my mind. Yeah, I we, thought we were. We see things that normal humans in that world can't see because we're existing outside of their reality. Looking oh, in. But it looks like they're so far down when you look down on the bridge. Anyway, they could have some high up cupboards. They could, sure. Kirk orders Scott to set automatic return for him in 10 minutes, then he beams down. Ah, oh, some smart thinking. Hmm. Spock has made a miniature communicator and several people have to hook rope around the beamer buttons. Yes. That's amazing, Spock. Somehow finding the materials because they won't have shrunk. They're not organic. Yeah. It just looks exactly like a communicator, yeah. but a tiny one. He's amazing, isn't he? He could do anything. On the surface, Kirk is full size since the transporter retained a memory of his body's molecular structure. Hang on. So we're sticking with this now, are we? I guess. Is that what it said? I thought it was maybe because when the transporter reconstructed them, they reconstructed those atoms in the proper way, as opposed to in the compressed way. Isn't it supposed to just beam exactly what it's got? There has to be some kind of compression because the amount of information that would be in a file of a human being would be insanely staggering. So mm -hmm. there has to be a way to figure out we got to put a water molecule here. We have the blueprint for the water molecule so we can just use that over and over, over again. Mm. There won't be different water molecules. Yeah, they've molecules. got some generalized things that they... I'm, ge I'm guessing. Gosh. Wow. So anyway, Kirk sees a miniature city. It's like a tiny Oz or green yeah. glass or something. Yeah, yeah. His communicator gets lavered. There's lava, hot lava shooting all over the place. I mean, there's a lot of it. <laughs> there's no way that he would have survived that. He would so have been dangerous. by hot lava for sure. I mean, it's coming down like rain. Oof. And somehow he manages to duck out of the way and not get hit by the yeah, hot lava. Yeah, get out of there. He automatically beams up anyway to find an empty ship. Not another fake Enterprise, surely. No, no. The bridge crew have been beamed to the planet, except for a mini Scotty who finds Kirk deafening. Yeah, because he's yeah. so loud when he talks as a giant person. But Scotty sounds exactly the same. Not <laughs> or anything. Kirk calls the city and makes some threats. Then... In the name of the Terratan people, I forbid you to destroy us, Captain Kirk. You forbid me after what you've done to my people? I am mandant of all this city, equal in command to yourself. We are people of pride, Captain, equal to your own. We neither suffer insult nor give apology for actions. But I give them now for damage done your starship. Be assured, this land contains much dilithium to replace that you lost. Where are my officers? I request you to understand. We try to tell you our plight as you passed, that our adopted planet is dying, but our great antenna was buried. We had no choice but to use our invasion defense to reach you. Hmm. So there you go. That's all they can do. They've uh, tried. Yes. To just let them know. But all they could get across was Terratin. So the Terratins have been tiny for generations, so they can't be restored to their ancestor's size. Using the beaming. Yes. Right. Uh, Kirk beams the whole city on board the <laughs> ship. So I've got some questions. Sure. 
Did the Terratins shrink our crew with radiation or did the planet do it? I think the planet did it. Oh, right. It wasn't an attack because that wouldn't be of any benefit, really, as far as we know, to shrink them unless they were being mean. No. All right. Why did their city shrink or did they build it once they were small? They built it once they were small. So that these subsequent generations of tiny ones. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong. I guess. I, I assume that's what happened. All right. Fair enough. Then we end with this. People of the Enterprise, we have no way to pay the debt we owe. But this, at least, comes from a meeting of all our numbers. We name you Honorary Terratins, now and for all time to come. We came rather close to making it more than honorary. Yes, I'd say just about a sixteenth of an inch close. Captain's Log Supplemental. The Lilliputian city is to be taken to Verdanus and relocated on a fertile and well-watered plain. Then we'll be able to call the Terratin incident closed. Hmm. Hmm. Well, they did refer to Lilliput there. There you go, yeah. Have you ever been an honorary something? No. (laughs) He found that preposterous. (laughs) He's available, everybody out there. Yeah, I could be an honorary... (laughs) I don't know. Who would make me honorary anything? I don't understand. I don't know. Have you? uh, No, I'm not even an honorary Auntie Rachel or anything. You know, that's kind of one, isn't it? When you're not really the auntie. Right. You're just a good friend. But no, nobody's given me an honorary degree or anything. Wait a minute. Rana's, their kids call you Auntie Rachel. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm Auntie Ray Ray. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly they just call me Ray Ray. Yeah. If anybody needs to make me an honorary member of their family or their club (laughs) or, you know, give me an honorary degree or anything, just get in touch. Oh, consider it. Consider it. I guess, yeah, if it's a, like honorary member of the murder Nazi society. Party. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't, um, I don't think I want that, actually. Murder society. I don't know. So concepts. I'm glad they made sense of why the uniforms shrank. They also explained why they'll get to a minimum size and then stay there. Due to the structure of DNA, I think something to do with it spiraling and yeah. it can only spiral to a certain extent. Yeah. As it shrinks, yeah. something like that. Yeah. I respect them for giving us an explanation. Yeah. And this is a lot of science for a kids show. Sure. So fair play. <clears throat> I liked them carrying on as long as they could with ladders and strings and different little machines that they had invented. Mm-hmm. The sliding doors wouldn't read that they were there. Yeah. Of course, they had to use, I think it was a hairpin to wave over the sensor. I <laughs> yeah. like that cool little yeah. stuff. I enjoyed seeing their practical problem solving. Mm. I like it when they do a heist in episodes. I like it when they're solving problems in unusual ways because oh. they've got an unusual problem. Yeah. So I'm going to go for a 7 out of 10. I was interested in what was going on, but I didn't think it was as good as it could have been. And I was annoyed that they didn't bring up the fact that they weren't going to be super dense because mm. they were so small and yeah, their, their, their mass was being compressed. Yeah. For some reason, that rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, so I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a six out of ten. Seems fair enough. Hey, Chris, mm. what would you do if you were one sixteenth of an inch? Oh, what's there to do? There'd be nothing to do at sixteenth of an inch. What would you do? I just use. The sofas is really good bouncing around land. You know, <laughs> but, that's initially. If you only had a little time. R- right. Yeah. Is Our this... house would be massive, wouldn't it? You've always wanted that. But all of the stuff, I couldn't read any of my books. I couldn't uh... do any. Everything would be too big to use. Oh. Yeah. So that would, oh, it would just make you sad. It would be a bummer. There but is... you come up with machines to turn the pages. I thought you said I only have a couple minutes. Well, I've got a, a certain amount of time. If it makes you sad for you to be permanent, <laughs> choose an amount of time. <laughs> 
maybe just a few minutes to go wow look at everything being gigantic all these little and maybe seeing some stuff that is really small that i wouldn't normally see that would be cool yeah i guess like dust or insects yeah i guess so (laughs) i don't know and they might eat me so that might be a, a challenge as well no, I, I think it would be pretty horrific to be small. I mean, there's many movies about this kind of thing. There's The Incredible Shrinking Man. Honey, the, I Shrunk the Kids. Incredible Shrinking Woman with Lily Tomlin, which is a movie I watched a lot when mm. I was a, a kid. And um, recently there was a movie called Downsizing with Matt Damon. They figured out how to shrink people. And then they made these communities where people would go live. And it was super cheap for them because, you know, you didn't need much food. You didn't need much space. But then they could have these big, huge communities. I think it was some kind of social commentary. I haven't seen the movie, so I don't Mm. know exactly what it's about. But people giving up their power and control to live richly, but being very small. So you vote for no on that? No, I wouldn't do it. Entertainment. Lots of huge props and sets. Animals, which we've never had mentioned before. I enjoyed seeing them, although I was slightly irritated that they've never been introduced. I started off engaged with this one quite a lot, but it did drag once the Territon started communicating. Mm-hmm. And it seemed very long. Right. DC threw some shade at Schneider. Somehow he'd gotten into an idea of cartoon and let his natural ability to do Star Trek dialogue slip. Ooh. So they rewrote all the dialogue mm. in his script, but kept the story. Wow. Mm, six out of ten. Uh, it just seemed long to me, and yeah. I, I didn't like it as much as you did, so I give it a four. There is a, a quick shot of these Star Trek crew on the planet, and one of them has glasses and a mustache, and it's like, what's going yeah, on who there? Are they? Well, it's the storyboard artists. Oh. They put themselves in this particular episode. <laughs> Cheeky. So kid value. Loads of science. Got your DNA, you got your molecules. I give it four out of five. Yeah, I think it might be a little over the head of a lot of kids. And Mm. I think kids would just be bored with it. So I give it a three out of five. Could this have been a live episode? No way. No way. It would have been super, super expensive. All right. So how were you on your guesses? Well, it wasn't just the best friends gang that got shrunk. And it didn't happen due to visiting the planet. Mm -hmm. The uniforms did shrink, but they did give some logic for that. Mm -hmm. McCoy did have a huge salt shaker. Yeah, dream come true. (laughs) Yes. But Spock was not coddled because everybody was the same sex. Right. So, meh, something. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get into the time trap. So, Rachel. Yeah? The Enterprise and a Klingon ship must join forces to escape from a pocket universe that has been trapping starships for centuries. I'm guessing I won't like this one. Uh Uh-huh. They'll use the combined power of two ships to escape, but it'll be hard to convince the Klingons. Uh Why are they all there? There Uh must be some dilithium about, or the Klingons have lowered the Enterprise there for some reason. Mm -hmm. A pocket universe is maybe a hidden universe where stuff ends up until it's retrieved. Okay. Okay. Captain's log, stardate 52.2. We have just entered the Delta Triangle vast, uninhabited sector of our galaxy in which a high number of mysterious disappearances of starships have been recorded since ancient times. The Enterprise has been assigned the mission of surveying this area and, if possible, determining the cause of these disappearances. This episode was written by Joyce Perry. Upon entering the Delta Triangle, the Enterprise begins to experience sensor failure and then they are attacked by a Klingon vessel. They shoot a phaser and the Klingon ship disappears. It's not destroyed, it just vanishes. Mm. Then two more Klingon ships appear. A trap! A time trap? (laughs) Kirk orders warp eight towards where the Klingon ship disappeared. Yikes, that's risky, but I guess that's because they're being attacked anyway by the other Klingon ships. He's asking Uhura to live stream it all to Starfleet Command. 
which will take three weeks, but at least they'll have a record. Sure. Now, I got super annoyed again by this. Hmm? Warp 8, even in Old Trek, is way, way faster than the speed of light. So for them to see another ship and interact with it, they've got to be like within the thousands of kilometers range. They would be shooting past that. And shooting past something they could see and interact with all just a blur it just annoys me that when they were writing this they were just throwing these speeds around and they didn't mean anything uh, they're just like well it's fast yeah and yeah. it takes them minutes to get to this location that's when the other klingons show up i know i'm being a nitpicky Ooh. nerd about it oh he's clenching his fist but it just keeps getting under my skin <laughs> i just accept it <laughs> oh he just means fast yeah Eight out of ten Oh, I think they get better with that in later Star Trek where they're like, there's impulse speed, which is below the speed of light. Mm. And everything like this would all be impulse speed. Mm. And when you go to warp, then that's a whole other. That's a big problem. That annoys yeah. me. Anyway, Klingon Curie orders them to surrender or be destroyed. Is he Koloth's twin? He looks like <laughs> a reused element from more triples, more troubles. Core is also there. Yeah. Uh, so the Enterprise is chased into a space-time warp. A what? Well, I think it's a warp in space-time that is this area that doesn't interact with normal reality. Well, they say it's a pocket dimension, which means it's not really a whole gigantic universe. It's just this area of space that is outside of space and time. You can get in and time works differently there. Yeah. You can't get out. Is this what they were talking about in the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Why were they talking about that? <laughs> Because it's a sci-fi movie. Okay. So the Enterprise is pulled into the time warp, and the other two Klingon ships just hang out outside of it. They find a starship graveyard. Did you enjoy that? All that space history and tech. I liked all the different starship designs, and some of them were pretty far out, so it was mm. cool. I like that stuff. Apparently many were rejected designs for the insectoid ship in Beyond the Farthest Star. Ah, that's why they had so much detail. That's it. There you go. Spock determines that some of the ships have been in the Triangle for centuries. I guess this must be like the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. yeah. The Klingons and the Enterprise fire at each other, but their weapons cause no damage. Kirk is beamed away from the bridge, and Spock eventually... Raises an eyebrow. That <laughs> <laughs> takes so long. After a very long shot of his face doing nothing. So Kirk and Kor have been brought to a trial by Alicia's ruling council. Oh no, not another trial. This one though is a who's who of Star Trek. Even the asparagus guys and a Gorn there's are on a, the panel. There's a Gorn, yeah, but yeah. there's an Andorian, a Tellarite, and a bunch of other weird random aliens that we've never seen before. Yeah, and high up our advisors include an Orion... Scantily clad. She is wearing Are less... Are they all slave girls? She's wearing less than a bikini. <laughs> less? <laughs> yeah, she doesn't even have straps. And there's a Romulan fellow who's in charge of the whole thing. They've been there for over a thousand years and the races have learned to live together and any act of violence is forbidden. In the clip you're about to hear, the first being to speak is a Romulan and the next is the Orion. Pronounce the law. Under our law... You as ship captains are responsible for the behavior of your crews. Should a crew member, with or without your knowledge, engage in any form of violence whatsoever, you will suffer the ultimate penalty, total immobilization of your ship for a century. A century? We'd all be dead by the end of it. No, Commander Kor. This small universe of ours is a curious trap. Time passes here, but very slowly. A century means nothing to us. Our council appears young, yet all are centuries old. 
Your life here must be almost perfect if you haven't wanted to leave. All of us have wanted to leave at some time, Captain Kirk. But we have made the best possible world here because we have found there is no escape from it. So they're threatening to immobilise them for a century if any crew member is violent from now on. But aren't they stuck there anyway? Well, yeah, but they can't do anything in They'd be there. immobilized within that world, would yeah. they? Frozen or something? Yeah, in time, I guess. For the person being frozen in time, I would think it's not a big deal because you wouldn't know you're asleep. So you would just be out mm. and then wake up and then everybody's 100 years older. Oh, good. Well, that's a bit of a big deal, isn't it? But I, I guess. Suppose, but yeah. in this place, is it a big deal? It seems like nobody's aging, so... Mm. Will it be 100 years on the outside? I don't, I don't know. We don't know. It's I just don't... like being in a coma. It'd be a nice rest, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, there yeah. you go. So Spock comes with a plan for the two ships to function as one, sharing warp power to get up enough speed to break through into their own universe. The Klingons seem to agree, but Spock has a casual touch of them, which is very uncharacteristic, but yeah. he seems to get away with it. And he learns Kor wants to destroy them as they break free. He's able um, to kind of have a surface mind meld with them, uh -huh. which is, this is a new power. Uh, that Spock can just kind of casually touch somebody and read their mind. Even though Spock knows this, it's time for a pre-celebration in the rec room and the Klingons are invited. One of them slips a capsule into the computer room, using the distraction of McCoy trying to dance with a Klingon and pissing her boyfriend off. Kaz, the boyfriend, then tries a disruptor on McCoy, which of course doesn't work. So Kirk, Kor, McCoy, and Kaz are all brought to the council where Kirk convinces them not to put Klingons in suspended animation for a century because they need them to escape. Hmm, lucky break, you stupid Klingons. But has Spock told no one what he knows? Yeah, no, he hasn't. What a sloppy. <laughs> You're animating this stuff. <laughs> so you've read the script yeah. and spent weeks on it. Yeah. Hmm. Then Cat Eyes Lady with the high voice discovers the plot. No, the Klingons have hidden an explosive aboard the Enterprise. She will be destroyed. You have to watch this little bit, everybody, <laughs> if you're not watching along with these. Her voice that Nichelle does for her is as far as possible away from what you would do if you looked at this character's face. So bad. So just before the Enterprise reaches warp 8, Spock and Scott locate the explosive and eject it into space. We end with this. Captain Kirk, I'm picking up a radio transmission Captain Kor intended for his home base. He took full credit for our escape from Elysia. Why, that scoundrel. It doesn't matter, Bones. It doesn't? That's what matters. And he means... We're back in our own universe. Yes. Does he? Yeah, yes, I think that's what he means. Yeah, when he says that, we're seeing the star field as the Enterprise goes through space. So I yeah. think he means being back home is what matters. Right. Okay, so concepts. Space Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> there was a good article, 2017, in The Independent. The title was, Scientist Solves Mystery of the Bermuda Triangle by Claiming There Was No Mystery in the First Place. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. any place on the planet, if you pick it, you'll find the exact same number of disappearances. And oh, yeah. Yeah. They got a, a reputation of being this dangerous place. We had a time trap. Time passed more slowly and they age slowly in there too. Yeah, yeah I guess so. 123 different races wow. there dating back a thousand years. That's some heady conceptual stuff. Psionic powers able to disable weapons and they could also read thoughts. Mm -hmm. But what was the point of Spock's touch? 
to find it out if the lady was going to psychically oh, oh, get I it see. later anyway. Well, because, but that's a good point. Why did they have Spock find it out and then have them find it out later? Because yeah. them finding out later didn't really help anything. He didn't help anything by finding it out. He didn't tell anyone, did he? Well, Spock was able to look around and find the bomb that was planted. So he just got on a search. From a story standpoint, when the council sent the message to the Enterprise, Spock was already suspicious and knew that they were going to do something. They and backed the, it up. And that was the specific. They put a bomb somewhere on the ship and they, they, they gave them the location. So Yeah, and I guess it also lets the audience know that the Klingons are being shifted. Yeah. earlier so that yeah. we can look out for what they're going to do yeah we had enforced peace that's a well-worn concept the third klingon female was in this one. Oh right yeah we found that klingons can be occasionally useful but they can't even stick to a mutually beneficial plan without trying to blow the enterprise up at the end of it for no reason yeah. they hate them they're in a cold war with them so any chance they can take to cause harm to them and he's mad at kirk from all the other shenanigans he pulled in the hmm. past so he wants like he wants the revenge. troubles yeah so we've got the Organian Peace Treaty, but they, if they think they can sneak it in, there's yeah. a triangle disappearance. Yeah, I guess We'll get so. away with it. Okay. I think so. The Organians don't know that. I don't know. Aren't they? Telepathic yeah. across yeah. the whole of space and time. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Never mind. How does it compare to Day of the Dove, where they had to work together to save the ships? Well, in that one, everyone Kirk and Kang food first, and then Kirk had to freak Kang out by saying, kill me, I'll just heal. Then they all get rid of the light being by having a good laugh together. Yeah. So there was a lot more conflict before they finally got to work together in the last two seconds in that one, I guess. Despite being the perfect society, home is where they prefer to be. We've got that introduced again that nothing could be perfect if it's imposed on them because humans will always prefer to be free. It's a peaceful society that they're all stuck on starships. There's no actual planet in that pocket dimension. So you're saying it's not perfect by anyone's no definition way. apart from theirs. They've Except, convinced themselves it yeah, is. Yeah, just because they don't fight doesn't mean that it's a perfect society. I think most of the galaxy in Star Trek, there is not a lot of war going on, especially if you're not on the border of the two, like, the Klingons and the Romulans, if you're on the other side of it, I'm sure your life's fine. There is no conflict, especially on Earth. I think Earth is pretty utopian in Star Trek. So it's not that dangerous out there anyway. Yeah. They've got to believe that though, haven't they? Otherwise, they've got nothing. What did you give it? I give it six out of ten. That sounds about right. Six out of ten. There's some good concepts in there, but they weren't, again, very well executed. But you only have 22 minutes, so mm -hmm. what are you going to do? Yeah. And I really was into seeing uh, the animated Gorn. Yes. That really made me excited. Shame he never moved. No, but he looked neat. Yeah, that brings us on to entertainment. Plenty of lines for the Orion lady, and I thought that was voice acted pretty well. Yeah. Don't know why she had to be in a bikini, but that's by the by. <laughs> <laughs> the cat eyes female, Megan, done by Nichelle, was unintentionally funny. Yeah. Lots of different aliens, some callbacks and some new ones, which is nice. Yeah. Female advisors, mm -hmm. mostly just panning a picture of all the aliens sitting there. Right. It felt long and I was pretty bored. Yeah. So four out of ten. I agree. It was pretty boring. Four out of ten sounds about right. Four out of ten. You copier. I, I can't help it. That sounds like that's it. So in the ultimate guide in Star Trek magazine, this episode was rated four out of five. Huh? Hmm? It was highlighted as the third best installment of the animated series. I don't know what Ooh. they're smoking. I hope that's not true. I'm sure we've seen three better than that already. Yeah, I think so. The magazine commented a graveyard of ships plus a who's who of Star Trek aliens living within the time trap made for a geeky smorgasbord. Yeah, well... That's I, true for those few moments. For those few moments, it was great. But other than that, I did not 
dig it. Nah. So great news, Rachel. This marks the final episode for the smooth Klingon forehead. Uh, <laughs> I think I've got mixed feelings about that one. <laughs> However, smooth-headed Klingons appear in later episodes a few times. And there's a Deep Space Nine episode where they go back in time to the Troubled Tribbles episode. Oh, okay. And then they like use computers to put them into the episode. Oh, the yeah. actors, so they're interacting with the actual actors Whoa. from the old show. It's done really well. Ooh. It looks great. Yeah. And it's it's a pretty fun episode. So uh, what about kid value? Interspecies peace. Many entered as enemies and found a way to peace in there. And they came up with a society that was equal and had banned weapons rather than a survival of the best armed. Something about making the best of a situation in which you got little control. And I suppose as a kid, you've got little control. Yeah. So maybe they could identify with that. Mm. So there's some stuff in there. Whether that came across to any children is another matter. So what would you give it? I'll give it 3.5 out of 5. Oh, well, I'll just give it a straight 3 out of 5. Okay. Could it be live? Well, there'd be a lot of aliens to make up, but otherwise, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, most of it was on chips. They'd have to make models of those ships. It'd be expensive for them yeah, to do these things. Yeah. But it's within the realm of possibility. Yeah. They didn't really need to show all the ships that they did, I guess. Or they could have done smaller models and just the shot them at a distance. Just... Or map painting. Yeah. Do a map painting with it. That probably would have worked. Your guesses? I was right. I wouldn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it was the combined power of two ships to escape. Yep. And the Klingons didn't have much choice, but they were trying to sneak in and attack as well. Right. So I didn't get that bit. I guess they'd be there for dilithium or that the Klingons had lowered the Enterprise there. I'm not clear on whether they had lowered them there. Were they trying to get them to fall into this, do you think? I don't think so. I think they were trying to lure them into a trap in the beginning, but yeah. the disappearance was a surprise because mm. I don't think the Klingons expected that they were going to lose one of their own ships. They were going to just lure them in to then these other ships showing up and well, getting them. The area had a reputation for missing ships, so right. they were going to wait there, and then the Enterprise would come to go check it out, and mm -hmm. then they would get them. Right, goodness. But then they ended up getting caught in this time trap. All just to get back at Kirk. Yeah, I guess so. That's a lot of work, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So next week, we might be doing another twofer. It depends on the quality of the episodes. Mm -hmm. But the next one up is the Ambergris element and maybe the Slaver weapon. Yes, that's right. So hold on to your hats for those. <laughs> uh, hopefully our speedy covering of these episodes is not upsetting anybody. And <laughs> upsetting anyone. Yeah, let us know. Because it's taking us quite a bit longer to do two at once. I'm kind of feeling inclined to watch two and choose one and just cover that. Oh, no way. We got to cover everything. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, just give us some thoughts on how we're tackling these and if you like the way that we're doing it. And if you don't, tell us how we can improve. Yeah. And if you don't, if you really don't, then don't worry. We'll be on to the movie soon. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> By Christmas. Oh, boy. I think. Yeah, we'll see. If we keep going two at a time like we are, it'll be pretty quick. Yeah. So, patrons, again, thank you for your support. Without you, we would not be making the show. Thank you so much. We love having you as a member of our crew. Oh, yeah. And with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watcher Star Trek! Star Trek!